0: That I could follow him for tweet for free, and he used to smoke crack. Like, and he doesn't anymore, so he's not even interesting. Like, Wait, who smoked crack? Fucking Rex Chapman. Oh, Rex oh, yeah, Crackman, yeah, yeah, dude. That's right. Yeah, that's he was right. a fucking NBA player. He was actually pretty decent. He had some good games, but I see dude. I see him always shitting on uh, people on Twitter, though. That's yeah. uh, like, like you know. And I don't know why he's so political. <laughs> I don't know. Like, dude is dude is just like hyper politicized. A lot of people are. He probably just got fucked up on social media, but like buddy dude he said nancy pelosi could get it and i was like <laughs>
1: i mean have you seen those knockers though like no in, I, the, in, the, in the early days i, I can't lie in the, the nancy Pelosi tits are. <laughs> no i get i listen i I'm, I'm i'm
0: definitely like a big take guy but like i don't think that saying like i've always had a crush on nancy pelosi well, <laughs> is like a good statement to say out loud oh yeah <laughs> that, oh yeah that's uh yeah
1: well i kind of like just rolled this live so we're already oh, okay, cool we're ro- already lo- rolling live but uh for everybody that's tuning in, good morning, good morning, good morning to the beautiful people of Georgia, right? The Peach State, that is. It's April 18th, and you're locked into the Cove Podcast Network. Today, we have a really cool special because we're trying out for the first time doing a little political, pop-cultural kind of podcast with a guest, and it's uh, my good friend Chase. Chase, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on here. Uh, before we get rolling, of course, make sure that you follow us on YouTube, smash that subscribe button, like all of our videos on there we're at cove podcast network follow for all the behind scenes stuff and our daily posts of uh, different cultural things political clips all the things that you guys love on a daily basis on our instagram and our tiktok you can find us there at cove underscore podcast underscore network Um, appreciate all the support and everything you guys been doing and it's really amazing to have us uh, to have all the support that you guys are giving to us Um, so nonetheless chase uh, who are you
0: what's up man hey uh my name is chase gamwell i'm an actor in atlanta up and coming so you most likely have not heard about me but um i'm also an entrepreneur and i guess the best way to put it is a very nuanced political uh conveyor i like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't know how to, I don't even know how to describe myself politically anymore because uh to my lefty friends i'm Considered a Trumper and then to my conservative friends. I'm considered a libtard. So It's it's been kind of a struggle. It's an interesting political environment.
1: We're in right now where it's like, uh if you don't agree with one side fully, they throw you off to the other side, and then kind of happens on the other side where you don't agree with them all the way. They'll throw you off to the other side as well. So
0: yeah, well, I would say there's definitely a little bit more room on the right for uh, tolerance these days, and obviously there's still the the classic pockets that you could see. And there's you know like there's ignorant people across any platform, and I think usually politicians target ignorant voters, and that's sort of how they herd their numbers up. So. Uh, you're going to get a lot of ignorance from either side, but right now it feels as if uh, the repressive tolerance, I guess I should say, is like the document I wanted to bring up today anyways. um, Repressive tolerance. Yeah, it's by... uh, What what
1: does that mean, if you don't mind, like, uh, explaining?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, so repressive tolerance is actually a little essay that was done um, in critique of Barrington Moore Jr.'s Tolerance and Scientific Outlook. And basically, it's this Herbert Marcuse document, and it kind of just talks about how at a certain point tolerance actually becomes sort of like an object in the way of full progress and that repressive tolerance is necessary. So it, in some cases, could be correct if you had shared principles. You know, like if we're all going to agree, like child murder is bad. No one should tolerate um, a viewpoint that promotes child murder. Correct. But what the document gets into further is sort of that uh, if you look at this. Sus- systemic um if you look at systemic injustices that basically the tolerance of one political faction over the other is like the cause of it thus one side should get more leeway than the other Uh essentially basically uh to summarize it like really simply it's like the the means justify the ends for one side only for one side only yeah and the other side needs to play exactly by the book and we can change the rules retroactively because the means justify the ends Essentially, like a two-tier yeah. system. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's actually you know, it, ironically, people say, "Oh, well, this is like how we can reach full progress. Like we're almost there." But that's more how life was for thousands of years. Yeah,
1: yeah. that is true. That is true. What uh, do you What do you think led us to this moment right now, where it's uh, where we have this tolerance, I guess, or this uh, <clears throat> the repressive, repressive tolerance. tolerance?
0: Yeah. Um, I think. I think in the 1960s, there was a huge split that happened, and I think a lot of people conflate um, a lot of good and a lot of bad that happened, right? Like, I think if you look at the Civil Rights Movement, and specifically Martin Luther King, and and you can even get into Malcolm X as well, uh, they led, and the reason they were able to galvanize such a base and kind of do things to what I guess people would say is, like, on the right side of history, which it was, in my opinion, as well, uh, because they were galvanized behind, like, a spiritual movement, right? And... um, even just think about, like, the word Civil Rights Act, right? Mm-hmm. The the idea of, like, civics, like, that's getting into, like, American law. Martin Luther King Jr.'s whole standpoint was the law is not equal for everyone here, but I want everyone to experience, like, the way that, like, the Founding Fathers set out for everybody. Got it. And if you look at sort of the other things that were going on in the 60s and, like, Cultural Revolution stuff, like, you did have a lot of, like, Communist sympathizers because— the idea of, and, and this is where the idea of, like, full, like, I guess pure tolerance can be intolerant or, like, you know, hinder progress is because people, especially under, like, something that would be, like, more Judeo-Christian, like, belief system of, like, okay, you know, hate the sinner, you know, love the person. Mm-hmm. So, they they you know, if you have this ideology like communism, they're not going to say you can't be a communist. They're going to try to persuade you. And they're going to try to welcome you in and, like, just, like, exude an example, sort of their values and try to, like, get you to come over to their side that way. And in doing so, I think that there's a lot of bad actors, especially from people that do have, I wouldn't say a communist sympathizer, but, like, a literal communist and, like, Mm -hmm. literal radical activists. I think that in the wake of all those movements and in sort of, like, like, we can't lie, like, the uh, terror that kind of happened, like, especially... Throughout that decade of, like, all the assassinations, a lot of people kind of slipped through the cracks. And I think a lot of the schools, uh, the universities, and just other establishments, like, got a lot of these, like, radical activists. I mean, just look at the Jane Fonda thing during Vietnam. What is that? Oh, where she posed. uh, She went and, um, I'll have to look more specifically for the exact details, but she went to Hanoi and was, Mm -hmm. like, basically with the, um, like, the red troops. Yeah. Like, with the, with, with the people that we were fighting. And, I mean, the Vietnam War was dirty. I don't agree with it. But, yeah. but that's, like, a little bit of a step in a weird way. You know, that, that's not liberalism. Yeah, exactly. That's communism. The and other comu- Yeah, and communism is essentially illiberal. The only reason it's ever been welcomed, and the reason it's why it's so welcomed on the left, is because liberalism at its core is the idea of being welcoming to others and leading and persuading by example.
1: So can I ask you how do you think we got to this moment where <clears throat> Democrats were like the ones that who were championing championing all the liberal values and now it seems that they are completely turning back on this and now it seems that the Republicans are emerging as liberal Republicans with with conservative values, traditions, right? right fiscal conservatism. But it seems like Republicans are now that are ones who are standing behind true liberalism, not on the international stage, how we kind of push this liberal order on all these different countries. And we actually see a lot of Republicans that stand against this kind of like globalization or or, you know, pushing our democratic values on on countries that may possibly this not fit for them. Like, you know, for Afghanistan, who's made out of hundreds of tribes, they're not going to be able to unite against one single, uh, you know, executive or something like that where they'll be able to have constantly voting and stuff like that right but how do we get to this moment where democrats are now the ones who are not the party of true liberalism like not not international liberalism but like just the values of it
0: i mean i think it took time ultimately i think it's like a it's it's like a cosmopolitan you know it's like this whole it's just this like so to start for the Democratic Party thing, I think they got lucky. Um, you know, you have JFK, right? And mm-hmm. he's a populist candidate. Correct. Right. Okay. So he, and you don't get those a lot. And we kind of realized that in 2016 where you had two populist candidates in two different parties. Right. And like we had a Bernie so Sanders. Had, oh yeah, and, that's correct. Yeah. yeah and, that's and, right. And, that's yeah, right. So you had a Bernie Sanders and you had a Donald Trump. And, but it,
1: it, Bernie Sanders, like his spouse, that, oh, no, 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 Senator, no, no, he's, he's shown he, a different color, but okay, but if it. we,
0: if we can think back to 2016, you're right. Yeah. And, and actually the way he had acted even in Congress and stuff up till then in 2016, he, he was more of an independent. Correct. He got kind of, he ran for president and yeah. he needed money and yeah. he's not someone that he can raise money from like grassroots stuff, but essentially he still has to play the DNC ball game. And the DNC chair has literally come out and said basically that like we don't care about primaries they're essentially recommendations from voters (laughs) we're gonna pick who we want and that's how Joe Biden and Kamala Harris two people that polled terribly during the primaries get in Yeah, but um, no no it seems like Bernie
1: got two two primaries stolen from him you know yeah and it's like (laughs) through the super delegate
0: system especially (laughs) and I mean and he still has glimpses of uh, you know, populism, where he says something and it's like, okay, you know, like where he came out and he's like, you know, I do prefer equality over equity. Yeah. and Because he, cause he understands the basis of what it is, of liberalism. He, yeah. he kind of grew up and he wasn't like that. But I do, I mean, he's, you know, I've lost a lot of respect for him since 2016. <laughs> he has like no backbone on a lot of things. But, uh, but no, I think the Democratic Party got very lucky. Uh, JFK gets assassinated. And then they get the establishment, Lyndon Johnson, in. Oh. And so then all this progress that was going to happen inevitably because of the greatness of an actual civil rights movement that was led in a unifying way, not picking, you know, like and it's like why Martin Luther King was essentially a little bit more successful, I think, in um, like changing legislature than mm-hmm. Malcolm X. He unified people of all colors, right? Okay, so you have this these figures, and then they get shot. So so he gets shot, 1968, and then um, you have. Malcolm X, and he gets shot. And so now you have these martyrs, and you get to pretty much decide, like, they're ours. Like, this happened when it was, like, Lyndon Johnson was president. So these guys are ours. But the Democrats are the party of the KKK. Yeah. So, like, how did this happen? It just, because progress was happening inevitably, and ironically, it's like, everybody wants government to, like, make changes. But that happened from a very cultural perspective source you yeah. know like all of that it it basically all of that happened and then downstream was legislature change so makes sense. yeah it makes sense yeah so the democrats basically it just was like like a little bit of a cherry pick and they got lucky and then you have nixon and you kind of start to see which was the bigger threat than just like the democrats in the 60s is like the true emergence of the intelligence state yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't even like saying deep state anymore. Like, let's mm-hmm. just call it what it is. It's the intelligence state. All these agencies are intelligence agencies. Correct. So, Corre- co- collecting just a bunch of intelligence for the U.S. government, right. the federal government. But, <laughs> but, but they do more than just for the U.S. government. These, okay, it's like when you can collect information and you do it on a scale and at a capacity that you can literally hear anyone's thoughts. It feels like around the whole world, that's worth a lot of money. Yeah. People will pay a lot of money for that. So then they become more powerful and whether or not they're selling that information to other people, you know, I'm not even going to speculate. However, what that does to the psyche of the people that run those organizations, the knowledge that they have the most valuable thing in the world, which is like Intel for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. They, they feel that this God complex comes on and then they're not a democratically elected body. They're not. That's a, that's the, that's the interesting
1: part about this uh, system that we have is that you know the the people who are the most influential in our system and have a lot of power in our system and i, I would argue just as much as power as the executive because they are able to stall the executive they are able to you know they able to do, are these unelected bureaucrats so it's yeah. uh, it's rather interesting before we get into like a, a little bit more of the i like that not the deep state the intelligence state yeah. you know, the administrative state yeah <laughs> yeah all works all all of that i wanted to ask you if um, if you had to classify like certain characteristics for like the republican party mm-hmm. and then versus the democrat party what would you say are like the main ones what what is what is, what would make the republican party today what it is and what makes the democrat party today what it is like would, how can you differentiate oh okay the two?
0: yeah okay so so i guess to tie everything uh back in is that i don't um you said something earlier and it's like you said a lot of republicans stand up to globalists mm-hmm. um i actually disagree i don't think it's a lot I do think that more Republicans than Democrats do. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, those numbers grow. And I think that they are growing. And even more Democrat, um, maybe not people in Congress currently, but, like, more candidates are going to start having more populist, less go- globalist views. Yeah. Uh, just because culture. Like, co- like people are waking up. Like, 2020 happened. All the stuff after 2020 has been happening and continues to happen, you know, so it's, like, it's just all too much in our face. But uh, so I think... To describe both the parties is corporate interests, and I don't even mean to say that to sound like like some like lefty, but it really is more like these Republicans, a lot of them. Look at the Bud Light stuff. Yeah, right? that's a perfect yeah. example. I was just about it. Yeah, <laughs> like look at the. So you're saying real
1: quickly, you're saying yeah, both both parties, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, both they're similar in this. The fact oh, that they're they bought uh, up. Okay, and they okay.
0: and they have absolutely no principled uh, point of view. There is no such thing as a Democrat, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, a Democrat to me is literally just, like, a club. It's yeah. like a club of people, and they they will tell you whatever you want to hear to get it in. They've had a supermajority, right? Look at Roe vs. Wade. Even RBG herself said, this is not going to stand forever. You're going to need to make this into law. They got a supermajority under Barack Obama. It's one of the first things he talked about when he campaigned in 2008. Why does that not happen? They, that the national or codify the do anything anything regarding abortion. Why does that not happen? Because then why would they vote for them after that? That is true. What would be our incentive to vote for you guys if you do everything that we want? Because because they're not offering a future, they're offering freedom. Because they understood that that worked actually for like Republicans, right? Like Republicans used to be the party. That's like a differentiating factor. Is like Democrats used to be the party of like. Oh, like we're thinking forward. We want progress, and Republicans are like, we're gonna like make sure that you have these freedoms that we've had forever, and they're never gonna go away. Hmm. And both are good. Yeah. Like in, in essence, you know, both are like good approaches. But I think you need a vision for the future. Absolutely. You know? And I think that's where Republicans sort of uh, fall short compared to Democrats. But I think when it comes to Democrats, like they fall short on they don't know how to do anything, and they just <laughs> tell you everything you want to hear, which is like nice. It's nice to be coddled, you know. It's nice to be enabled. Yeah. I mean, we can get into a bunch of stuff that they enable. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's like a <laughs> lot. It's like pretty much anything, and and they do it because they they it's like they're like fluffers. They just want you to feel good and they want you to vote for them and then they're gonna do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And you're gonna deal with it and they're gonna tell you why you actually want what they want now, and you're gonna listen to it. They're gonna shove it down your throat. They will. They will. Yeah. Which uh, I I'd like to I guess ask just one more
1: thing about this thing yeah, is. Sure. Uh, uh you mentioned that more republicans are I guess more uh, they're open to disagreement and Correct. they'll still welcome you into their party they won't they won't alienate you and say hey you're a liptard or yeah. or something like that because you may not agree with them on let's say on a border or may not agree with them about abortion right mm-hmm. let's it, it, the real idea that it or the real thing about it is that the Republican Party split between how people agree on social issues because I think all the Republicans agree on uh, like uh, on fiscal foreign stuff. policy, fiscal stuff, right? Yeah. But then you're, and then I start to think about it. You're right. There is a lot of Republicans who are pro-globalism. Like that's why they are actually pro-open border, right? They love that cheap labor, especially for their donors, right? So, but let me just get to the to the yeah, essence. Yeah. So Republicans definitely are more open to disagreement they're more i i want to say that they're a little bit more uh civil in terms of political discourse and they're open to hearing your side um whereas democrats somehow we got to the point of where if you don't agree with all this agenda they spouse especially that trans women can be women or that biological male are female somehow um, then if you don't agree with this stuff and that you don't say that these people should be able to use the same bathroom as, let's say, a real you know, young woman, whatever, mm-hmm. right, um, then you're no longer a Democrat. You're not not just a Democrat. You're racist. You're a misogynist. Add whatever is you want to. They'll call yeah. you that, right? But you still agree with, like, 98% of the things that the Democrats say and you constantly get that and you feel alienated whatnot. like how do we get to
0: that like that Uh, well like i was uh mentioning briefly i think it's that repressive tolerance doctrine like because it's just what you said and um and again and let let me also clarify i know i said the democrats will tell you what you want and then not do whatever they want and tell you it's okay republicans do that too i think it's actually more of a uniparty thing and by that it's like the establishment the pro establishment players in either party to me um you know, they're you can trade them out for each other. It doesn't; they don't really care what color they wear. They just want the money that they get. I like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that that and that is true. I mean, I uh, I think yeah, I think I think we're on something where it's like uh, you can uh, Republicans can tell you certain things, and then they can still the the entire party may not vote or may not go with a certain way that you believe in. Yeah. And the same thing applies to them. I kind of like lost. Oh no, the you're there. good. Yeah, no, yeah. no, you're good. Yeah, but. Um, Let's uh, let's get to the next subject. The the one thing I want to talk to you about is like the the Budweiser thing, which I found to be so interesting. So they lost like five six billion dollars in market cap, mm-hmm. which is not really like them like losing losing no, money, no, right? They but they that back. exactly, and I'm pretty sure that they already recovered, right? Um, Friday, they came out with a statement. They said, you know, we're sorry we didn't know about this. We're just trying to make it more inclusive and whatnot. Yeah, they
0: had, like, a fat guy in George come out with, like, an American flag polo on to say it, didn't they? <laughs> it's funny. It's uh, so funny. But what I found interesting, like, to
1: conservatives uh, boycotted uh, Budweiser for a few days, right, mm-hmm. which led to the $6 billion market cap loss. Then we see Don Jr. come on TV or whatever on a podcast and say, hey, we shouldn't be boycotting them because the parent company, Budweiser, is one of the biggest donors to conservatives. Right. So I want to ask you, like, how do conservatives expect to fight this, uh, quote unquote, uh, culture war? Or I mean, you talked about this a little bit before, right? You you were saying you don't really necessarily want to fight the culture war, which is something I want to get your, your opinion about. Mm-hmm. but. How can conservatives boycott something and then the main people who champion the a big, big movement in the Republican Party come out and say, hey, yeah, yeah, whatever they were advertising is bad. But there are right. donors like. Yeah. Where do your values line up like that? Like uh, I don't okay. know, what, 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 what's your thoughts? Yeah.
0: On that? Um, OK, so first let me make a, like like a, there's a difference in my opinion between like a Republican legislator or like a politician and like someone who has like conservative principles, okay. right? So like I'm gonna, I like usually when I talk about this stuff, I'm talking more about someone with conservative principles. So it's more in good faith because I don't really give good faith to politicians. Too much, so. <laughs> we shouldn't. Yeah. So like so like we'll we'll just talk about like conservatives, right? I think it's it's again it's back to the repressive tolerance thing, right? Where you're right. It's like okay, well, how do we fight this if Bud Light is giving the GOP money and the GOP is now starting to be more of a working class party and like doing things for like people, like doing the things that people really want. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, you don't want to cut your own legs off, but then why is Budweiser doing this if they, uh, if they give money to the GOP, you know? And so that's, that's a question that like no one asks. And again, it goes back to what I'm talking about. It's like repressive tolerance. So the left can even like, just like these corporations, people that have like, they can kind of have all this leeway to, promote stuff that is just like kind of super against their consumer base. And then we're supposed to be okay with it because they give money to the other side too, you know, but if it was the other way, imagine if on their can, they had, I don't know, like some like real big pro life message. Yeah. You know, don't give up, you know, or, keep it like children are the best something like that some but like something overt you yeah. know like not even something that was like gracious like something that was like over in your face don't get an abortion hmm. do you hmm. what do you think would happen be a, it would be a huge deal and then you would actually There'd have Republi- protesting in the streets Correct. not just boycotting the, and, the product yes and there would be um, a, a huge push to try to like remove like ceos yeah and people out of their position which i understand there probably still was but repressive tolerance there's not going to be like what's that push what's that little push from people that have been tolerant of people like oh they shouldn't do this this is like against their job it's like not in their fiduciary no one cares yeah but if you get someone riled up emotionally now you get the mob going yeah they're gonna want you out your seat so it's like you know found there's like a foundational issue and i think trying to play these short-term games is just gonna be you're just you're not cutting your legs off you're cutting your feet off and then you're gonna get to your shins next you know
1: that's true, that's
0: true you're it's uh you know, like Tim Pool says it sometimes too. It's like basically the way it's been going is like everything moves left if it's just Republicans keep it from moving left so fast <laughs> like that's like the directive. the left tells you what they're going to do like we want to. we want to give sex changes to children or like we want to do x, y, or Z, yeah, and then the right's like, well, hold on now, don't you think we should wait a few years like it's like what do you mean like we, we, <laughs> I don't think we should like do this, yeah. you know um which yeah.
1: It's a great point actually like
0: um it's all gonna move it's it's all gonna move there so <laughs> everything what? moves left and and it's not even like it should all move left it's like we get to these points where where people want to move left just for movement's sake yeah you know and and that's on a more um like organic why people feel the way they do if they're like you know indoctrinated in either being like you know blindly progressive or like blindly um you know, like conservative and like just being dogmatic is literally because of that. It's like, like, how do I explain it? Basically the, so again, it's like the civil rights movement was epic mm-hmm. and there was a lot of injustice going on and like that was necessary. Yeah. But now things are good. They might not be perfect. There's still stuff to work towards, but it's not as like, Ooh, like you're out there and like really changing like the foundation. Right. Yeah. And, and so because we can't identify the foundational problems, like people go looking for a problem. And they go looking to feel good. They want to be, everyone wants to be a good person. Even people that are evil, they think they're doing something for the greater good. They think they're sacrificing their own morality at some point for the greater good. Yeah. And that's like the ethical issue with voters and like people, like when you have your friends have these like ideological splits is like they get so wrapped up in it because they're so certain that what they're doing is making a huge impact because that's what they want is to make a huge impact. Do you think that uh, maybe, like, social media and overall partisan media just,
1: uh, I don't know, increases that, has increased it over time, the reason why perhaps there's such polarization?
0: Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, like, just, like, the fact that everyone's voice is able to be heard louder and better these days, it does give you a little bit of a complex of, like, importance, right? And, And, like, again, like, I'm, like, very spiritual, so I do believe, like, everybody has, you know, just, like equal and innate value as human beings. And I do think everybody does deserve to be heard too, but this idea of like we need like it's just this like, like like main character syndrome, you know, like our culture is so pop culture based like before social media we cared so much about celebrities. Look at Michael Jackson. If you if you ever see Michael Jackson in public on like videos in like the 90s or the 80s, <laughs> it is absurd. It's like how are how's everybody in LA out of work right now if you'll follow this guy <laughs> around. And like that wouldn't happen today necessarily because we have access to people from their own personal like devices, but it's it's this idol system, mm-hmm. you know. And um and again like back into like ethics, it's like in you know Judeo Christian in Judeo Christian values and like both in the Torah and in like the New Testament and I'm pretty sure even in the Quran like the idea is is removing idols between you and God. Yeah, and I think on like a more secular way to look at that is like a lot of times people that want power and they like so that you don't get the things you want they put these things in your way so that you can not obtain them and Mm -hmm. to me i'm like that's ethically the same thing that's like described in like a lot of these theological documents do you uh
1: it seems like we're in a heavy decline of religion i think we're at all-time low of like a religion right how much does that like factor into the fact that like uh like there's a such a disconnect between uh, people's values. I mean, like people on the right, right? They base their values on Judeo-Christian values because, we, as we know, they they're more likely to be religious. Not everybody on the right, but then on the left, it seems like there's it's like it's, they're anti-religion, right? Yeah. So like their their uh, their their values don't align with Judeo-Christian values. So how can we in the United States, where there's just this two system, not two system, but two categories, how how can we
0: unite when there's I think it's, like, understanding the roots of people's wants and needs. And I think that people kind of overcomplicate things. And, and, I mean, and people stigmatize things terribly. And I'm I'm probably guilty of that as well. Uh, But, you know, like, it's, for instance, like, you don't have to be, like, a believer in, like, Jesus Christ. But what did Thomas Jefferson say about him? He said, in my opinion, um, his teachings are, like, the most enlightened teachings of, like, a man. So he didn't even necessarily... Crown him the divinity. I think he was like Tom Jefferson was a Christian, but in that mm-hmm. statement, he wasn't crowning divinity. He was saying simply like, "This is a good code, right?" And like then we base like some laws and stuff about it. It's like, it's it. it and then even documents before it, like you know, you look at like why is murder bad? Because in the Bible, it states that right. But, well, but, but yeah, but but but, but like <laughs> but, even even more specifically, it's like no, like even like because it's like in the Torah, it's like Moses like brings everybody out of egypt he frees the slaves Mm -hmm. super progressive yeah most progressive figure in history possibly (laughs) one of them and he and and then like there's this like doctrine in stone and it like tells you and and everyone sort of understands that but you know humans have justifications for stuff so you'd be like well it's not murder because he stepped on my shoes no that's murder yeah you know and so and, and so it's like this understanding of of uh having something greater than you and having like a code that's like beyond yourself, mm-hmm. but it also like gives you equal value to someone else. So you don't have to feel less than Got it. And I think that the, that's where most values from like r- the religions that stuck throughout history. Like that's sort of like where like the zone that they stay in. And then if you look at it, like the left is not anti-religion. They are making their own religion. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, yeah, that, that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They're not, they're <laughs> not anti-religion there.
0: All right. We're right back. So we had a little technical difficulties there
1: with the mic, but, uh, before we got cut off, we were kind of talking about religion and whatnot. And uh, when the mics were cut off, we kind of got into a good conversation about religion. So, um, you know, I, I brought up the idea that we're in a uh, religion crisis, a crisis of religion, all time low, not too many people believe in religion. And, and you, you actually brought up a great point of the Democrats are making their own religion, not necessarily like Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever, right? Um, so one of the Big reasons why, of course, we're in this in this situation right now is because people constantly pose the question of like, if God exists, why don't you show me? Where's the proof, right? And all that stuff. And we got into a great conversation about space, Big Bang, like you know what happened before the Big Bang. Does that even make sense? That question and whatnot. So, um, what's your opinion about religion? Like, what do you, what do you think? Like, what, um, and, and 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 about
0: God in general. Yeah. Uh, so I guess. For me personally, I, I am a very spiritual person and um, I, I am a Christian, but I feel as if it is less a religion and more of a personal relationship with God, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so I feel like that it's almost more of a practice. And I understand that it's like religion is too, and you know, I still I still partake in church sometimes, so like there is still a sense of community. But uh, I, Dennis Prager put it really well, and I'm I'm not one to quote him too much, but I really like this one. He said. The question really shouldn't be, you know, do you believe in God? But it's like, you know, like, why is God necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think people kind of think about that often, but it's, it's, it's kind of insane to think that we are the greatest machination of this universe. And then it's even more insane to think that there's another species like us that's just like a little better. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or like a, little worse. Or, or a <laughs> little worse or like, you know, has like different technology. Like that to me is absurd. Um just just because the deeper you think about it the less it makes sense yeah and i think what you were kind of mentioning um before we kind of had to cut out was essentially like this loss of religion or this like loss of uh of kind of like a connection with god is what you sort of think is a big issue Mm -hmm. right and i I would agree because i think you know we literally have the equipment like in our brains to be spiritual beings like you have a penal gland for a reason you know That's like, I mean, yeah, (laughs) you know, as people, and, and that's the other thing too, is I think a lot of times, um, and you know, this is just stuff throughout history and this just is sort of how pervasive evil is, is that it doesn't really matter what side you're on and honestly evil like takes advantage of dogma. So, you know, things have been stigmatized, like the crusades definitely didn't help Christianity's, you know, overall look because people extorted a lot of like the good that happened for power yeah because the message is powerful so why would you know someone that seeks power and that seeks things that may be of evil intent they don't think they're evil they're just looking for personal gain and they're gonna extort people's goodwill to do it and ironically that's why I was saying like the left does have their own religion you know because that's what they try to do they try to garner to people's goodwill and it's almost like a reject your eyes and ears sort of thing just because like I know you feel that this is unfair and you're right mm-hmm. and and um, you know, it's just this idea that like, they are the, the, the greatest, like no one on earth is God and no one on earth knows everything. And so I think the, the necessity to, to like believe in something bigger than yourself is just overly apparent. And there's just so much evidence to it. Right. Like, I mean, just look at even, you know, like a team setting Mm -hmm. when you are trying something by yourself, it's not like you can't accomplish anything by yourself, but it is just it's like an attitude adjustment. You obviously have more hands, but it's just this thing when you're doing something that's for more than you, Yeah, right. you know, it, it, you're able to produce more. So regardless of if there is really a God or not, you know, I don't think that's where people's heads should be at initially. I think they really, their head should be at is that there is something bigger. Yeah, You know, if I really was to look back in my life and examine how I got here, even if it's mundane, you know, there is sort of a path. And I, I want to understand something bigger than myself, or I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, it's like, that's, you know, the left tries to do that and like building this community and a lot of, and like, I don't like to say just the left. Cause it's like, even think about the LGBTQ plus I-A-Z. Iaz. yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I have, I have immense respect for human beings and it's what they're trying to, what a lot of that is, is like, What a a lot of what a lot of that is is grouping people based on characteristics and then trying to define their whole being on those characteristics. Similar like it it, it almost feels like it's a church. However, for a church, the idea is is that this is how we lead our lives based on these like principles Mm -hmm. and based on the the constant yearning for like a connection with God. Mm. You know, we're constantly trying to connect to something bigger than ourselves and that's when progress happens like when we're going trying to land on the moon mm-hmm. that's when america's like oh like this is awesome like when we're thinking oh the world's going to burn and we got to stop stuff no progress yeah yeah, yeah. so uh so you, yeah go ahead i
1: was going to say do you think this uh this loss of connection with god uh, which results in the loss of connection of some something bigger than yourself results in this i guess uh what I see is that the reason why the left and the right cannot disagree on just basic fundamental stuff is because one side is a little bit closer to this idea that there is things bigger themselves while the other side does not. Or it it thinks that it's rooted in things like race, for example, or identity or something like that. When that happens, how do you think that we can get to any rational, like, anything rational into the center of things in terms of like how can we agree on basic things that make policy in the United States that help individuals succeed in the United States and whatnot if we can't agree on such basic fundamental things like that
0: yeah I mean I I, again it's getting down to the basis of what do people want and what do people need and if, if you think about the you know The structure of religion or the necessity for God is the necessity to be led in a way Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways we have to find our own way but we need clues and we need guidance of sort and we need to feel as if there is somewhere that we need to go and need to get and I think when you look at um, even even in the way that the left does a lot of stuff even in the identity politics stuff there is still this message of we're gonna get you here we're Mm -hmm. gonna get you somewhere and so people aren't happy and I think it's very natural for everybody to look for external validation or external support or help or just anything. They're looking so far outside of themselves and I think the difference is and what you were saying, a big issue with maybe like even just mental health, mm-hmm. like something is like to get down to something simpler. is like, why do people believe crazy stuff or do crazy stuff? Or, you know, I think <clears throat> that. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, top. you're sorry. good.
1: You're good. I think, uh, I think, uh, Swallowed some <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's always the worst. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, though. Um, I was, I my, my big thing is like, how can we, uh, maybe start to get people back on track with the idea that perhaps there is something a little bigger themselves and that not everything is rooted in these race debates and these identity politics and whatnot, that, we as human civilization and as just just humanity well, should agree on on basic fundamental things like individual fr- liberties
0: and whatnot, right? Like um, how? <laughs> well, we could spike the you know water supply with DMT. This is one, <laughs> <laughs> one strategy, uh, you know, just on low enough dose to give everybody a little ego blast. But um, no, I think I think again, it's like what I was saying. Like you need to look inward. And happiness doesn't come from everything else. Everything else is a bonus to happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, or excuse me, I should say if happiness is external, then joy is internal Mm -hmm. and happiness is fleeting. Right. Like, like it's an emotion. You can be happy for a second and then someone makes you annoyed. Yeah. then you're mad. Then you're sad. But like joy is more of a state joy, like be like joy. Like you could, you could say like, yeah, you feel joy. But in my opinion and in how the word contextually has been like defined throughout my life, it's a state. And that is only obtained from going like, deeper within yourself. And that's why I was saying like the DMT thing, because <laughs> everybody is looking to belong and everybody's looking for acceptance because nobody knows how to accept themselves. And it's a lot easier to be accepted for things that you're not so sure about by other people or for things that are, that you can't control. And cause then you feel anointed, you yeah. know, you mm-hmm. feel, you feel that you've been lifted up and you've been validated, but it's not for the things that make you valuable. And there's so many things that make everybody like no matter who it is valuable you have to go inside to find those things. They're not out there. Individualism. It it is a, it is a sense of individualism and you know, the, the sort of balance in my opinion of how to get back to like this place of like an agreeance is in having like maybe just like people that have separate approaches to like solving the same problems is understanding like individualism actually builds collectivism. Mm -hmm. The more that we can understand ourselves and humble ourselves and like kind of rid ourselves of the ego and not care about what other people think and really worry about like, like getting right within ourselves and digging deep inside the better it feels and the more you want to be around other people and the more you want to do things for other people. It's like, it's, it's a really like wild sensation once you kind of start digging deep and you like can try to rid yourself of that ego and like really just find that, that sense of purpose and that sense of like, yeah, there is something bigger than me and I'm just playing a part, but you know, I have faith that things will get better.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think, is there anything wrong in the idea of having these, uh, and seeing yourself as an individual, seeing the things that you like, and then finding people around you, communities around you, and creating this collectivism, essentially
0: going from individualism
1: to this collective?
0: No, like, I, it just it's just, it's, it's all about what's the base. Like, what is this like based on, right? Yeah. Like, if I have... What if it's based on, on a sense of uh, patriotism? You know, if it's based on a sense of patriotism, like, sure, but again, then that has to be based on, it can't just be based on, like, the flag, or because you think our tanks are fucking sick. Like, <laughs> it's got to be based on the founding documents, which mm-hmm. are, in my opinion, some of the, the greatest documents ever written, especially in, like, modern history. The fact that they read this 250 uh, plus years ago is, is, is absurd. Just, and they nailed it. I know. I almost wish they dumbed it down. It's so smart. Just so <laughs> people could, people these days could understand it. But no, it's it's... It, so so again it's like the roots it's it, it's where do you put your pride and you know again to touched on the religion thing it's like one of the seven deadly sins is pride because the you're supposed to kind of give all glory to god and it's like the idea of like for patriotism like that should be based on being like i'm doing this for like my brothers and my sisters mm. you know like this is this is something so much bigger than me and like in that essence like you are kind of doing it, you could say, like, for God or for the universe or for the greater good or whatever altruistic thing you want to say. But that's it. Like that's what the patriotism should be. That so, makes so sense. So that would be good. That would be positive. If you're doing it based on, like, yo, like, we kicked ass in this war and, like, Vietnam was a fluke, like, try us now. Like, if you're on, like, that, like, yeah, I mean, it's, like, whatever. Do what you want. But I don't think that that's actually as, as valuable. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're, you're. You need to be rooted in your actual values like your i guess your american values in terms of like uh, what we offer yeah and what we have here and what
0: mm-hmm. we've been able to create here versus yeah. something else well and it's fun like it is they are american values but uh, the the thing they're that, judeo-christian values but, but but even beyond that like just the idea is that they're inalienable mm-hmm. like the idea is that like our government was founded on observation mm-hmm. rather than like like instruction you know like basically laws are are not created it's more to protect people's freedom Mm -hmm. whereas opposed to pretty much throughout history laws were created to control people yeah i'm not saying that doesn't exist i'm not saying that didn't happen even in the founding days but the principle was that and that was how you could as a person and as like a voting body like come together and really find people that have your interests in heart
1: that's exactly it we're in a good part where i just i wanted to ask you because uh people always reference our founding fathers and uh just uh the document itself as as the as the basis for racism in the united states so and that's that's not something i believe in so i'm gonna ask you a couple questions mm-hmm. do you think that racism exists in the united states
0: uh yeah i i don't i don't necessarily agree well actually well, well, well. well yeah, a yeah, person yeah. can be yeah, racist. Okay, yeah, I was going to say on a, on a very individual level, yes, racism okay. does exist in this country, and it exists everywhere in the world.
1: Do you think that in the United States there's systemic racism?
0: Yes, but okay. okay. I don't think it's exactly what everyone describes as systemic racism. Okay. So elaborate
1: because, well, and then I think a third question is, would you say that systemic and institutional racism is the same thing different or, I,
0: I mean, I think when people use those terms, racism, yeah, I think when people use those terms, they're referring to the same thing, okay. you know? So like in the lexicon, like people are, th- those are syn- like synonyms for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh,
1: uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult topic because I think that uh when we talk about this this subject it's very touchy but um people because of this repressive tolerance and inability to have civil discourse they they don't hear each other because I think everybody across the spectrum except the very french parts right uh, agree that there is racism United. I mean in across the world there's always going to be this this racist like uh like people are going to be racist right people but are stupid people are stupid exactly but I don't think that there is any policy in the United States that is rooted in racism anymore in 2023 that essentially makes race a barrier for why an individual cannot utilize certain institutions to accomplish certain things in the right. United States so
0: I think it's I think there's more I guess we should say institutionalized racism okay and I actually think that um, the Asian population is probably the the one, the one that bears the brunt of mm-hmm. that discrimination. Um, and I, I think, um, again, I think it's was well-intentioned, yeah. but I don't think a lot of these systems that would, you could argue are systemically or institutionally racist today, I don't think they veer in the direction that people would historically classify institutional racism. A lot, I yeah. think. So like you know, well, college I, admissions, sorry. I was going to say, ad, I agree with admissions, that. admissions, right? And I think, and, and I'm not, and, and hear me out. I do agree with the notion that like generations, especially of like black Americans and black American families were disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that resources were depleted from um, a lot of these areas. However, I don't think in 2023, a lot of the systems that were put in place in the seventies that probably did help and did uplift a lot of Americans when they needed, when they needed it or should be permanent. Yeah. And I think that in, we're, we're talking about affirmative action. Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah. So I, it's not like I have uh, malice or I don't feel ill will about it ever being a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that it just is not something that should be permanent.
1: I agree. I agree. And I think that's exactly. So I, it's interesting. I don't think that in, there's in, uh, institutional racism, but that is actually interesting because I do agree with the fact that there is this discrimination against if the like, have a Asians, quota. whites. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you are, if you if you are basing your employment based off race, if you're basing your acceptance based on race or or gender, for example, like we see now, right? I think that is, it's, it's hard to say because I think that a better word for racism is discrimination because correct, I think everybody correct. is so tied with the idea that racism is just, just white on black, right? But right. what about this discrimination against Asians, uh, uh, white people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, screw white people, right? We always want to take that out of the picture, right? Yeah, Asians, suck. right? Those are marginalized groups. Yeah. That is a minority group. Correct. They are being discriminated against with these uh, certain policies. So so you're right. I agree with that. And I'm
0: not even, I'm not even here to... I don't think that... Um, the average Asian American is sitting around, you know, being like acting like super victimized by it. like, I think that, you know, you back to what you were saying sort of about like the necessity for God or is that like why the decline? I also think it's just as simple as like a family structure. Like, you know, you you look at them, they're very strong culturally of like they have strong family structures yeah, and they have like good discipline, but like good relationships and like, and and it's very traditional, it's very traditional. And so like, I don't, you know, you don't hear about it as much. Because that's just not the thing, and again, we didn't have this like huge sore, like historical sore, like we do with like slavery and the African slave trade, you know, which obviously that was it makes things different. And like whether we like it or not, whether it's rational or not, like it is a thing. Um, so it's not like it's like worth, like it's not like, worth dismissing everybody when they bring it up. However, it is still worth having like the conversation. Like it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it's also very again we're in 2023 yeah. right and so <clears throat> i'm more solution based i don't mm-hmm. really care you know if it sounds bad or it sounds good it's like is it gonna work yeah and i don't think a lot of the like again i think a lot of the things that maybe worked and were good in the temporary like in the 70s and like late 60s should not be permanent and i think that in our evolving culture we have so much opportunity and there's just so much. There's just so much out there for anybody. And I don't think race should play a factor. And I don't think it does as much. I was going to ask you is that
1: <clears throat> in the majority of the programs that were set up in the 60s and the 70s? Where they were set up in the 60s um, by the Lyndon Mays Johnson programs, of course. They, uh, the Great Society, right? They were meant to be to help individuals that are non-white and and also. Uh, non-white males because they were there to also uplift uh, white females, right? Yeah, correct. So <clears throat> how, how did these programs that were initially set up to help these individuals ended up in something like, for example, uh, the nuclear family for black, the black nuclear family before these programs, even before the Civil Rights Act, We're about 74%, 78%, and today they're at 24%. Is that a result of these programs being not temporary and not being there just to certainly create that level, to level out the field and get people into the door? Or how how do we get to that? Because all these programs were set up to help people, but they've... Completely destroyed the black nuclear
0: family for example. I think well, I mean, I, I think we could go even further than just the black nuclear family I mean, I think we can go into just like a large base of fam- like the family, like the nuclear family but Yeah, just yeah. in general. Um, but no, somehow think, the black the, the black oh, yeah.
1: uh, community got
0: absolutely well, like uh, It's uh, back to your God comment. Like if you think about it, right? So you have The government come in and there's obviously something that needs to be done mm-hmm. and, the, and the government should help and they should uh i think so at first it's a symptom i don't think it was like you know a structural problem i think it was a symptom right like you have the government coming in and helping Mm -hmm. and as humans like it's very easy to just be like cool i got this help you know and then you have like you get into the 80s you do like no fault or like you get rid of no fault divorces and you you start doing these things that generally would and should have helped people but it's again like the longer you let these things linger and you don't kind of touch back on them Mm -hmm. at least with some type of nuance if you're not gonna get rid of it then the more the the more the symptoms grow and so a symptom of you know like a welfare state it's not like people don't need welfare like that there are some people like people do need a little pick-me-up sometimes yeah however you know if you don't incentivize them to get off the welfare then you become God yeah and so then if the government is God then that's when you sort of have people like you basically are incentivizing this behavior rather than like giving a safety net to what degree is
1: this intentional? Where Democrats perhaps may have, uh, maybe not just Democrats, right?
0: I, I, I know I'm constantly pushing well, yeah, it know, on the Democrats. What, Ronald right? Reagan did the whole the, the whole no fault divorce thing. That is true. That is true. It's, and that's like a populist Republican, or at least like one that's thought to be, you know. So, to how much do these programs
1: uh, are initiated to to essentially make sure that people are constantly dependent on the federal government? Which means that they will always advocate for federal government, or like a big government, if you would say so. Is that is that you think intentional that they did
0: this, or? I mean, at this point, it's not like they're unaware of that. <laughs> so they're definitely not unaware of that. I think it's also once something gets put in place, it's easier to keep it in place. It's easier to just like let things run. I don't think politicians want to work. Yeah. I don't. I think they want to go do speaking engagements and get money put in their pocket and like smell little kids. But so <laughs> you know, I don't know. They're, it's it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a symptom and it's definitely something where it's like inaction. I I see that more. I'm I'm very cynical about politicians. So yeah, part of me is like, yeah, this is very intentional. They want to basically make like everybody just super 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 dependent on the federal state. And I think also they just don't want to do anything. It's it's the Roe <laughs> the vs. Wade thing. You could have made that a law. You could have literally codified that. And your whole Democratic base would have been happy. That's what Obama ran on. He had a supermajority. He didn't do it. He literally said he was going to do it right when he got in. He didn't do it. Because if they did that, then why would they vote for them? So Mm -hmm. I think that's where their concern is more than anything. And I think they see, for their own incentives, reasons to act or or not act.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The, re- the reasons, basically. Yeah, exactly. The The reason I, I was asking all of that stuff is because I, I also like solution and I'm very like policy oriented mm-hmm. because I think that policy is really the, 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 the solution, how things actually start to, to change. Right. Even if it's bad policy, it's still, they try it out to see if it'll work. Right. So what do you think they can do policy wise to, uh, I guess, uh, To fight this (laughs) I think I think
0: that that's actually the like what is the what is the
1: cure to the symptoms yeah
0: okay so I was gonna say I think the I think the issue is is that like policy and politics are always going to be influenced by culture and like recently it's been a little bit more muddied you know it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel that way it feels almost like politics are influencing culture and I think that there are actors behind that obviously but culturally if you want solutions to let's say the nuclear family issue We need to, you could offer policy incentive, right? That kind of gives family incentives and like more tax credits for kids, free diapers, whatever, you name it. Or you could, you know, go into a lot of these neighborhoods and really promote these values like culturally. Have people like you and me who don't have a seat, Mm -hmm. you know, in some type of state senate or national or any type of government. And we are just like, uh, I don't know. Hey, this is this is something I'm doing. You do Herbalife, right? Like mm-hmm. you go and you're like, Oh, I want to do like an Herbalife activity. And now we're going to get kids to like play around here. Yep. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you have Herbalife Casa. And, yeah, <laughs> we have <you> that, know, <laughs> you know, and so, but, but, but it's something to do. And it's something as mm-hmm. simple as that. I think the solutions are a lot simpler than people want them to be. Yeah. And I don't think that, but they're hard. Mm-hmm. Simple doesn't mean easy. You know, simple is not easy. Um, really taking accountability for your community, like really caring about the people that you live around. How, how, how many neighbors do you know? Not too many. Do you but know actually
1: actually I do know a good amount, now that I think about it. I didn't know a good amount of people in this neighborhood. Well, nice. Because well, it's a community.
0: Well, yeah, and well, you're also a nice person. You yeah. know? But but generally speaking, I would I would like, you know, if someone did a poll, it's like I'm sure most people don't even know their neighbors. That's true. It's that a is hard true. It's a hard thing to do. And you know, and, and everyone's so cynical. It's like, oh, this person might be a creep, this person might be that. The more that you can garner a community, the less these types of individuals will exist. You know, and I think it's just sort of spreading that like spread your values will always be spread better by example. Because mm-hmm. people aren't always going to agree with everything you feel specifically. But if you're a good person and you're doing something that you feel is genuinely good, people will see that, you know, and that, that that spreads better. That's the solution. But that's the harder, simpler solution.
1: I like it. I like it. What do you identify as in terms of in the political spectrum? If you, I know it's hard and it's like the. People throw Republican and right wing and conservative all into the same bracket, but obviously all three of those things mean three different things and party affiliation is different than what your values are and what you believe in policy. So like what what were you, I guess,
0: before twenty twenty and what are you now? Um, I guess the it was really more like before twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to say twenty sixteen, yeah. but I was like, I know.
1: COVID is the big, a lot for a lot of people. Well, I
0: was a weird kid. So like in 2007, I was like, Dick Cheney is the president. George Bush is a monkey. So, (laughs) so, yeah.
1: I mean, he was, you know, he was running things like he was the president. He was getting Contracts, contracts, contracts.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's shitty business and I didn't have enough intel to, but that was just like my observation from how everything was running. I was like, this guy seemed, so I've always been politically, I guess, populist, uh, like a constitutional populist. I thought Obama would have been cool. He's talking about a lot of cool stuff. Let's get out of Afghanistan understand let's not do this war and then i see it's like then i get the flip of the coin you know i'm thinking establishment exists with like the dick cheneys and the carl roves and like all these random people on the republican side and then i get to see the establishment on the democratic side and so 2016 happens and it's hillary clinton is like the main candidate the the left establishment's pushing and i feel very negatively and i have my whole life about the clintons yeah uh, and then you got a right wing populist on the other side yeah and then you have a right so then you have donald trump and he you know at that point i'm like this guy's a clown i don't i don't like and then i i honestly and i'm actually pretty sure that they did this they propped him up so that she could get an easy dub. Exactly, they thought that, he was going to be the easy dub. That was dub. their uh, that was their little democratic playbook,
1: is to eliminate all the other. They thought Cruz could beat Trump, so they you know backed up Trump and everything like that. And look how hard it hits yep. them. But
0: <laughs> but um, they didn't see that they had their own populist candidate in Bernie. And I, I'm not socialist at all. Especially, I, I will say like. I'm more libertarian now after 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably have a a little bit more of a libertarian lean after 2020 just because I think that the government is both ineffective and stupid. A lot of things, nothing positive. So these days, at least this administration. But I guess I would say I'm like a constitutional populist. That's what I'm going to call it today. I I have a new thing for it every day, but that's it today. I like it. Uh, When I learned about populism, I learned that, that
1: that's exactly me. Well, I identify more with the the right-wing populism because on the left-wing populism it's they identify more with socialism and on the right wing it's a little bit more nationalism people hear nationalism they think Nazi Germany but the funny thing about that is that to me like Hitler was not a nationalist because a nationalist does not kill his own people right, right. and there's other factors about it but America first policy is based on the idea of nationalism like your country comes first mm-hmm. policy is rooted in that idea and whatnot so um, because I'm anti-establishment, I hate the GOP establishment because one of the biggest things is that they act like they want to fight the border crisis, but they benefit so well from the border crisis, not not on the electoral phase, but on the labor. And that's all they care about, they just care about money. And when you see that there's a unit party between them, like that a left, the Democrats and the Republicans, are exactly the same thing when it comes down to establishment you end up with the populace, the people at the bottom, the left wing, the right wing populace. And I, you know, I think that the, that's why I'm like, ah, you guys got it so, so you guys are on the right track that you guys say that these institutions do not work in the United States, but they believe that it's because it's rooted in like, uh, no, no equity yeah, or no or racism. And
0: they think it's a fundamental flaw. And that's why I, that's why I put the little constitutional part in there, because I'm more of like. Ron Paul, I'm like, yeah, we had this stolen from us. <laughs> we have, we had this great thing, and, and s- sometimes we still have it. But for the most part, a lot of people have hijacked this incredible system that we have, which is imperfect, but better than literally anything that's ever existed in human history. Exactly. So when I say populist, I don't necessarily mean like I'm like super nationalist or super socialist. I obviously don't really like. I'm okay if my tax money pays for some people's stuff because I'm mm-hmm. getting taxed at a really high rate anyways. I don't agree that you should tax me more for it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's plenty of people that could reallocate the funds. So that's about as socialist as I get. And then when it comes, I think to, that's
1: just rational. Yeah. Like make the money that you already take from me. Why don't you put it in system and things that actually work? Correct things I want because I'm voting <laughs> for things to I put want. You in there. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so um, that is like I guess my more left leaning part. But then on the right, it's like. I feel, I feel very strongly about the Constitution and civil liberties. And I thought that that was a liberal thing growing up. So I would have classified myself as a liberal. You know, I was big on, like, the Snowden leaks when I was coming out, and I'm in, like, high school. <laughs> that, that stuff is important because that is the government being held accountable, and to me that is, like, one of the most American things. And that was one of the things I didn't necessarily mind about the Trump era was I, I minded all the, the, the BS, obviously, but I didn't mind putting the president under a microscope. Yeah. kind of like that and, and, and a lot of it was funny with him because he's just like the funniest president i ever yeah. had yeah like and he was an entertainer yeah he's an entertainer and I have you know I have negatives and positives I could say about his uh, policies and stuff but the idea of having politicians under that microscope and people really caring and being sort of involved uh, is just that's the idea like that is America so that was something where I was like oh this might be a silver lining coming out of this and then when you see all of those fact-checkers and stuff log out on, like, <laughs> November 15th, 2020, like, our job here is done. Why? We have another president. Yeah. Time you know, to... He's not going to lie. Oh. He's lied so much in his, like, history. He's under oath lying so many times. We could have perjured this guy. But, yeah, you're, you don't need to fact-check him when he becomes the president of the United States.
1: There's that two-tier system again.
0: So, so I do so, – so that's why I say constitutional populist because I do still feel – there needs to be a left i just don't feel that it's there anymore i don't feel that there are liberals anymore i feel that they're illiberals yeah and i'll still refer to them as liberals just because you know that's just what people are like i'm just borrowing like common terms but i don't see them as liberal by any real sense of the word
1: that's why I keep telling republicans like I, I, all over uh, social media stop calling them liptards liberals, they're not liberal. They're not. You you are more liberal than them because you believe in freedom of speech. You believe in you believe in the individual freedoms that you fight for that are engraved in our constitution and like you say you I like that. I am it's not like I a die hard nationalist or anything. I know I believe I know what good nationalism provides on a low level, nothing like crazy, right? Um but um uh, it's just being all about the Constitution. Like, they, they set it out so perfectly. Um, we're getting on the hour, so I'm going to fire off some just quick questions. You tell me your answers, and okay. we're going to get it out. Um, Trump or Biden? or
0: <laughs> Trump or DeSantis? Ooh. Um, right now, probably DeSantis. Okay. But I, the, the nuance is is that whoever it was, I would like either one to be in the cabinet. Mm. For entertainment purposes, one. But also, I, I just think Trump's going to be better— on foreign policy. I think that Ron DeSantis is the guy for domestic policy Would you like to see four years of
1: Trump and eight years of DeSantis after that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would also like a Ferrari
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like so. that. I like that. Okay um, uh, uh, DeSantis
0: or Biden? Oh, DeSantis. Okay. Is there Do anybody? you have, like a half-eaten sandwich? You want to put that up against <laughs> Biden? <laughs>
1: hey, he, he quote-unquote beat Trump, so yeah, and But, pop. Uh, <laughs> but um, and. Anybody that you would want to see run against Biden on the on like oppose or challenge him on the Democrat primaries?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, she left, but obviously Tulsi Gabbard. I think that she's wonderful, and she's sort of you can. She's a politician, so it also could just be season the moment. But it feels like she's sort of had a little bit more of a libertarian shift and a civil libertarianer. that's sort of how Glenn Greenwald refers to himself. So. A lefty libertarian, and I, like, and I like that. So I think yeah. she would be cool. But yeah, she's she'd be an independent. But I would assume that she would have to run in that primary if she did. Got it,
1: got it. And just uh, last question: uh, Can DeSantis beat Trump?
0: Yes, but not the way he's doing it right now. He's playing the same game, and he needs to act like he's his big brother. So every time a Trump punches at him, he needs to laugh with the joke. Hmm. It's, I like he's, that he's he's got to be not
1: deflected and not that no, he's completely this, not paying attention is just, to it
0: this is just Donald you know like this is just him and 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 also maybe being aware of that and understanding like this guy could be very useful to you if you were to become the president of the United States yeah in one way or another he could also be a detriment to you you know but but the idea is is that you don't want to isolate yourself from his voting base because He's he took what almost 15 million Obama voters Mm -hmm. in 2016, and it's like how many more? And you know, it's Donald Trump is one of the most imperfect vessels of like a populist candidate, and so I think Ron DeSantis has the ability to be a little bit of like a 2.0, but he needs to know how to how to swim in the same water with Donald Trump. I don't think he does right now.
1: I like that. I like that. So DeSantis over Trump? Yeah. Sorry. I guess yeah. I did like walk all the way.
0: It's like I would want to pick DeSantis over Trump. However, you know, I'm still kind of waiting. I'm still kind of waiting to see what happens down the pipe. I, I think like there's, that. I, there's a lot. There's what We're looking at almost 18, a little less maybe than 18 months of uh, this administration. So a lot can happen. Um, seeing how they respond to stuff, seeing what they're talking about when it's time, you know, it'll make a difference. And Stormy Daniels, uh, Trump getting, you know,
1: I guess he's oh, not convicted yeah. of that, but him getting uh, arrested has... Doesn't uh, affect
0: you at all. I mean, obviously, that's a political persecution. Okay. And I think it it basically, the way I see it now is uh, whether I like whoever becomes the candidate that's going to face Joe Biden, I'm going to vote for them.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Especially if it's one of those two guys I'd feel in better hands, you know, than maybe anyone else in the Republican Party who might also just be very establishment. I don't think those two guys are nearly as establishment as someone else that would run. I like
1: it, Chase. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me out. That was awesome. awesome. I appreciate you. And as always, guys, I know this was a long, long, long episode today, but this is our first one. And they're probably gonna get even longer because as you guys can tell, we get into some great conversations here. So thanks for surviving the Cove Podcast Network. Make sure that you smash that like button, subscribe on YouTube, like and follow us on Spotify because this is gonna be out on Spotify. Um, And for all of our daily clips, all cultural war things that we're fighting and whatnot, you can find us on Instagram at Cove underscore podcast underscore network and on TikTok as well at Cove Podcast Network. And do you want to say a
0: couple of things? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, and if anyone else has got a little extra free time, you can go check out my short film Soul Match. It is on a dystopian sort of dating app and it's pretty fun. It's not too long. It's about 12 minutes. You can find it on YouTube or Rumble.
1: I can attest to that, that it is. You have me on my on my chair, like what? C- when is the next episode coming out, Chase? Like I, I want to see what happens next. So you guys have to go check that out. It's it's one of the, it's a short film, right? Or Correct. Short, yeah, it's, a, it's a short film. Short film. I yeah. love it. It's like what, fifteen minutes? It, a, little, a little
0: less. It's about like twelve. Twelve minutes. Yeah.
1: All twelve minutes, you're sitting there, like what is happening next? What's happening next? And they leave you hanging. So definitely go check that out, Chase. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, brother.
0: Yeah. hopefully I can come back sometime. Oh, definitely. You'll be a, you'll be a weekly guest, right?